Hi guys, welcome to a new episode of In Other Words with Danielle and Zara. So this is a podcast where we talk about a wide variety of different subjects, from philosophical questions to weddings. So in other words, we talk about all all the things. things. I think by now people know your news. Yes. But in case you didn't, Danielle is going to be a wife. Mm -hmm. Not even half a wife, a whole wife. Half a one. (laughs) Yes, got engaged. That's pretty cool. Congratulations. Thank you. If you're cool enough to follow me on Instagram, then you You would know this. Um, If not, I probably won't won't accept your follow request (gasps) (laughs) if I don't know you. That's true. (laughs) You can always message us on the podcast page, though. Yes. Danielle's nicer there. Yes, I am. Because I have to be. Because I want people to listen. (laughs) Okay. Well, today is really exciting because you don't have to listen to our voices so much. Um, so congrats we have been wanting to do this topic for a while but we didn't want to talk about it just because there's so much we don't know and we didn't want to talk from a place of ignorance Mm. so it was quite cool um, and our guest will introduce herself soon but I said to Danielle I'd love to have her on the podcast yeah and then she messaged me like a couple of months later and said hey like I'd love to share this and and create awareness around this and yeah. I was like oh my gosh we wanted you on the pod so this was meant to be yeah completely cool cool so Caitlin will you please introduce yourself for the people tell us a bit about yourself what you're doing yeah you just are. yeah the meaning of life <laughs> you don't need to do that <laughs> hi everyone I am Caitlin Solomon and I will not be giving you the meaning of life because I unfortunately do not know that yet um, I am 19 years old and I am a student studying design and I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited to have you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so should we kind of give people a trigger warning? Yes. Yeah, so just for a, a general trigger warning, this episode is going to be about eating disorders. Um, we won't discuss numbers or calories or anything like that um but if this is something that you do struggle with it's not helpful for you then yeah maybe you skip this episode listen to another one but yeah I'm sure it's going to be a great episode nonetheless so yeah I'll be quite excited cool so I think maybe it might be helpful to just start with a blanket kind of definition of what an eating disorder is yeah so eating disorders it's very, very broad because there are so many types. Yeah. Um, but primarily on a just basic level, it is a mental illness with physical side effects. Mm. So most people have an idea that to have an eating disorder, you need to look a certain way. And that really isn't true. In fact, most people who have eating disorders actually are never underweight. Um, So, like, for me, for example, okay, with my experience, I did become severely underweight, but I was mentally very, very ill before I became severely underweight. Okay. So, that's something that people tend to forget, and um, it's often people feel very invalidated and, like, they can't say they have an eating disorder if they're not underweight, just kind of because of the stereotype. Um, yeah, but it's basically, it's an addiction, an obsession with food, your body, and weight, and it completely controls your life, and um, you might think the word addiction that I'm using is a bit strange, but it literally is, because if you think of the rooms, like you get NA rooms, um, mm. you know, like, if you don't know what that is, think about Fight Club and like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're, they're sitting in the room. It's actually the same with eating disorders. You get eating disorder rooms in Cape Town um, that you can go to. So, yeah. Hectic. That's quite rough. Like, yeah, like I've been to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. I didn't know those existed. I've never known that. Yeah, Mm-mm. so it's, it's actually an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, do you want to maybe share your story with us? Yeah. Um, like, just your general experience and... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, basically, when I was 
younger, like a child, I I had a completely normal relationship with food. I loved food. I ate all the time. My body was just a vessel. Food was just joy and fuel, energy. Um, it was nothing more than that. And I had no idea what a calorie was. Like, I didn't connotate numbers to food. Mm. Um, I don't think kids do. No, I would hope not. <laughs> um, and, you know, everybody's body is very different. And my body, naturally, I just always had a very fast metabolism. So I was always small. I ate a lot, but I was small. So people would tell me a lot that I was so small. Mm. And people who I didn't know, like adults, it's, it's really wrong that they would say this, but adults who I didn't know would come up to me and say, oh, eat a burger or something. Oh, I'd be I like, that. huh? Yeah, yeah it, it was irritating. Um, but that was kind of, like, it stuck with me, mm. you know? And even though I didn't do it purposefully, that label almost subconsciously stuck with me. And then in high school, obviously, you start becoming a woman and your body changes. Yeah. And my body drastically changed. How so, you mean? Um, you know, you just start to get curvier. You mm. gain weight when you're in puberty. Yeah. Most people do. Um, and I certainly did. And when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't the same small little girl that I used to be. I was becoming a woman. I was getting curves. I, for a lot of people with eating disorders, they have specific areas of their body, which are like the most intense ones that they dislike. Yeah. For me, it was my thighs mm -hmm. and because my thighs drastically changed and grew when I was going through puberty. And that really, really scared me. And I was no longer getting these comments about how small I was. And in fact, people would tell me, oh, your thighs have grown. And comment on like how... Who's looking at your thighs? Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised how many people commented about my thighs. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so that wasn't very nice. No. Um, but apart from just that, a lot happened in high school. Um, Did it start in, like from grade eight? It started from grade nine. So grade okay. nine is when my life started to change. I always have been a very busy person doing tons of extramurals, all activities, the things. all the things, yes, <laughs> all the things. And in grade nine, things just changed a bit and I stopped doing a lot of those activities. And I felt like kind of a part of my identity was being lost and I needed to grasp onto something. And I didn't really know who I was anymore because I wasn't this slim little girl who had a million things to do after school. Hmm. And... Oh, yeah, you were a TCC choir girl. I was. Keeps you busy. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I got, um, like, South African colors for dancing, and I was super busy. Um, and then I was like, who am I? What is life? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I decided in grade nine to start dieting, and it wasn't... You know, it didn't start off too intensely, but it's a build-up. It mm. always, it usually starts with just, just a diet, you know. Yeah. There was never a goal. I just, I wanted to lose weight, but there wasn't a specific weight that I wanted to reach. Um, and I didn't have a time frame in mind of like when I wanted to stop or when I thought I was going to stop. It was like, let's just try eat healthier. Mm. But for so many people, I think, in society nowadays, eating healthier is connotated to restricting and eating yeah. less. It's so true. I actually have a friend who's a doctor, and she said, like, she doesn't believe in restricting yourself. Mm. Mm. It's That's not what being healthy is about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a lot of nutritionists and dietitians would agree with that as well. Like, Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, and that's something I've... I've learned now, but I mean, that's not what I thought back then when mm. I thought, oh, just be healthy. No, there's, you know, if 
if you do need to lose weight, and I will never ever recommend to anyone that they should lose weight, but if it's for health reasons, there are certain ways, healthier ways that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have just tried to maybe just adopt a healthier lifestyle, not mm -hmm. restrict myself. Yeah. Um, when did you hear the term like diet and was comparison ever a part of your struggle? Um, growing up as a girl in this century, yep. you hear the word diet from a very young age. You hear it from all the women around you, which mm -hmm. is very sad. Mm -hmm. um, I love my mom with all my heart, but she would often go on diets throughout my life. Mm. And I can never blame her because it is society's fault and diet culture's mm. fault, but also her perception of diets was never good. It was never a good thing for me to see yeah. because she would go on very restrictive diets. Mm. And that's kind of where I got my idea of a diet from. Okay. Yeah, yeah there's this um, quote, I literally, for the life of me, I can't remember what it's from. I don't know if it's a song lyric or what it is, or if I saw a comment somewhere. Um, but it's something like, women pass down eating disorders like it's a family heirloom. And I, well, not eating disorders, disordered eating, I would say, because, I mean, not everything is like an eating disorder per se. Like, it is quite a specific thing if I'm, yeah, if yeah. I know correctly. Yeah. But um, if you just think about, like, even if, if I think about things like seeing my, like seeing aunts or seeing... Um, yeah, even my mom, like, not that she ever went on intense dieting, but it's the language that is used around food. Exactly. It's like, I ate too much today, tomorrow I'm not going to eat that, or I ate a huge lunch, so I'm not going to eat supper sort of thing. Or you hear, like, oh, no, I feel so fat, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, for a young kid, mm, those exactly. things those things stick in your mind, and these are people who have perfectly normal bodies. Mm. So when you grow up and you have a normal body as well, it's like wait, this, I look wrong. Like, yeah. this is what they didn't want to have. And now I have that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, funny you mentioned about the um, eating disorders being passed down or disordered eating being passed down. Because often with people who do have eating disorders who get diagnosed with eating disorders or don't even get diagnosed, but just have it, um, it is something that is genetic. Um, my mom, when she was in her 20s, she actually suffered from bulimia. Sure. Wow. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, that got passed down to me. Mm. Well, I never had bulimia. I um, have dealt with anorexia nervosa, not bulimia. But, um, but yeah, it's genetic, so that's unfortunate. But my goal in life is to, you know, keep... Redeem that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes, stop the cycle, yeah. Um, but anyway, back to my story yes so then yeah the dieting just got more and more intense and oh okay okay like a pinnacle moment was the end of grade nine so this was 2018 out of nowhere my grandpa who I saw as like a father figure in my life he just died suddenly and that was like whoa I feel out of control like, what is my life anymore? I felt mm. I had a complete just crisis. And for a lot of people, for most people who have eating disorders, there's a specific set of traits that you have. Mm. And the one is perfectionism and need for control. You need mm. some control in your life. And that has always been me since I've been a baby. Yeah. Um, and I suppose... You can't control so many things, but you can control your own mm -hmm. body to an extent. And so that's... Exactly. You probably cling to that. So. Yeah. So it's like, I can't control my family, what's happening. My mom was going through a lot with um, her dad's death. And my gran was going through a lot with her husband's death. It was a lot happening. And I felt like inside my world was crumbling, but I had to try hold it together on the outside. And I needed to take control of something, so I tried to take control of what I was putting into my body and my actual body, what it looked like. Mm. Um, so the dieting just got worse and worse and worse. 
and I started counting my calories severely. I started restricting my calories to an insane amount. How did you measure those? What do you mean? Like, were you on a scale? Did you have apps on your phone? I counted like all the time. And once you start counting, it sticks with you. The numbers, like you memorize the numbers. It's a dangerous game. It's mm. so dangerous. Please, to anyone listening, never, ever start counting calories because it's horrible. Um, even now, after like quite a while of being in recovery, I still have some like calories memorized in my brain because it's so difficult to unmemorize that, yeah. unlearn something that you've learned. Um, but yeah, so I started uh, restricting my calories to an insane amount and there were barely any foods that I did eat or thought like you are considered eating. Um, I started exercising very heavily as well. And I started to become extremely, extremely secretive because mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to find out what I was doing. So you knew it was wrong. Yes. Like, yeah. I realized when I reached grade 10, 2019, that I definitely did have an eating disorder. Like, I, I knew it. Um, mm. But I couldn't stop. Like, I was already in the cycle of it. And once you're so deeply in it, you, you cannot stop. Yeah. Um, and, like, my mom picked up on it. She was the first person to tell me, Caitlin, I think you do have an eating disorder you need to get help. And this was in August of 2019. Um, so she took me to a dietitian and a psychologist. And they tried to help, but unfortunately, some people just don't match with you and aren't going to help you. Mm. And with eating disorders, you need to want to recover. You need to want to get help. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to get out of the cycle. Mm. And... At that time, I didn't want the help. Um, I still wanted to lose weight. I was still always weighing myself. The scale, oh, that scale is horrible. Um, still tracking all my calories um, to a very, very tiny amount. Um, exercising all the time. And I would... Did you find any joy in like exercising or was oh, it just this no. pressure of No, I found to look a all way. the joy in my life was gone. I also um was not only then diagnosed with anorexia, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety as well sure. because when often people with eating disorders they develop depression and anxiety because mm. your whole life becomes sapped of joy and all all that actually is important in your life anymore is calories and your body and food. That is all you can ever think about. If you're talking to someone, you're not actually talking to them. You're just thinking about, what have I eaten today? What am I going to eat today? You're just thinking about food. That's horrible. It's, mm. You think you're in control, but you're actually completely out of control. Yeah. Um, Interesting yeah. how it starts with you want all this control. And you lose control, mm. actually. Yeah. Completely. And, you know, I became so secretive. And I've always been a very honest person. I really value honesty. And I lost all my honesty. I started lying about everything. Because, obviously, my mom and dad were paying for me to get help from a dietitian and a psychologist. And I didn't want the help. So I pretended like I was eating. And I started, you know, taking the food and then hiding it away. And then in the middle of the night, I would get up and throw the food away and, like, go to places Sheesh. and hide the food. And at yeah. school, my mom would pack me lunch. And, like, I have a lot of shame about this, but it's not actually me. I know it was the eating disorder, and it's not me. Um, but every break, I would take my lunch, my mom would pack me, and I would go into the bathrooms and literally... Um, throw it away in the sanitary bins Sheesh. in the bathroom, yeah. um, which was insane. And you become so exhausted, obviously, because you're not getting enough energy and fuel to keep you going. And you're so cold all the time because 
yeah, again, you're not getting enough energy and nutrition in. Um, and I just became terrible to be around because I had no energy. I was lifeless. I was sad. I never wanted to go out. All I wanted to do was literally be home, lie in my bed, and sleep because I wished for every day to just go by. I wasn't happy with my life. And yeah, all I did, all I wanted to do was sleep because I just wanted the day to be over. And that was every day. Um, and did, in terms of your physical appearance, mm. did you ever think like, oh, okay, I, I look good now. I finally look good. <sighs> was thin your definition of beautiful at the time? or? Yeah, it's so bizarre because I will never, ever say to anyone else that I think they're beautiful because they're thin. Or, like, <laughs> it's so bizarre. I only place that expectation on myself. For no one else do I actually care what they look like. It's all about personality. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't care what kind of body you live in. But for me, apparently, it's, you know, I thought it was so important. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, with my eating disorder, I also developed body dysmorphia. And mm -hmm. for anorexia, there is no goal weight. There is no thin enough. Thin enough doesn't exist, you know. You hear a lot, um, like in in therapy and everything, people say you're only thin enough when you're dead. Sure. And that is so true. Literally, that is the only time you're thin enough. And that's why so many people die from eating disorders. Mm -hmm. um, and then I became just severely, severely underweight. I won't say what weight, but it was really, really bad. And this was when I was in grade 11. So it was 2020. And I went to bed one night and I thought, I don't think I'm going to wake up in the morning. Like I, sure. I thought I was going to die overnight because I felt so ill. And did you get hungry and ignore the hunger? Or did the hunger completely go away eventually? It actually just went away. The hunger literally went away. Um, I can't imagine that. <laughs> now I can't. Now I'll I'm always hungry. wake up in the morning and I'm like, if I don't eat breakfast, mm -hmm. I will be a horrible person. <laughs> yeah. No, that's me now. I get hangry. I get so yeah. <laughs> but, um, But back then, yeah, I just, I didn't feel any hunger. Um, because when you subsided for so long, just like, I don't know, it went away. So, yeah. The one night I thought, I don't think I'm going to wake up the next morning. And it's so bizarre that I actually had food next to me that I was supposed to eat. And I didn't eat it thinking, okay, you know, I don't feel well, let me eat. It's like, no, that, that's not even an option. I'm yeah. not going to eat. Let's just see if I wake up in the morning. I'm just going to pray that I do. And praise God, I did. Um, and then, you know, I got to the point where my psychologist told me, okay, actually if you don't now get put into a clinic, then the um, the government's actually going to take you away and they can do literally whatever they want Then they can put you wherever. What? Like, yeah, you can end up anywhere. I've never known that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously my parents were like, whoa, that's not happening. That is terrifying. I was still under 18, so... Okay. Yeah, so my parents still, you know, had full say in what happened to me. Um, but because I was in such an ill condition, if I just lost a little bit more weight, then the government would have to be in charge of me. Would it be a case of social welfare? Like your parents can't look after you. You need to be taken away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so I had to go to a clinic. And I went to a clinic for three months. I did not think it was going to be that long when I went. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm, it'll just be maybe three weeks. And at that point, were you ready to get help or not? I actually was. Okay. When I went there, I was like, I'm actually going to give it my all. It's when did that shift happen in your mind? Were you like, oh my gosh, I want to get better? And was there a reason of like, this is why I want to get better now? It was like, it became very real for me when... People like doctors um, and the nurses started telling me actually how unwell I was. 
and that they started saying I actually shouldn't have been at school the past year because I should have been in a wheelchair. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was very scary. And I also just thought, you know what? Let me go for it and see. Let me try out this whole recovery thing. And a lot of therapists and dietitians say to people who are starting their recovery journey, and I say this as well, you know, try it out for a year. And if it doesn't work for you, then go back. But wow. but you're not going to go back because sure. you're, you're never going to go back from recovery. It's, it's everything. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and life at the clinic was tough. I made some um, amazing friends. I met amazing people. People struggling from all different kinds of eating disorders. Um, but I'm so blessed that I actually got to go. Was that helpful? Or did you ever fear that you would enable each other? It, okay, it was helpful for me. I'm very glad that I did go there. But it's also a very comparative area. Mm. <laughs> because some people obviously, like I said, people think you're only valid if you are very underweight. So some people got brought in before they became extremely underweight, um, which I think is great. I wish I went before I became extremely underweight. Mm. But then it's a lot of comparing. And unfortunately, there's a lot of systems, which makes sense at the clinic, but you know they kind of do levels. So if you're very underweight, you have to be on couch rest. So you literally just have to sit on the couch and I had to do that for 10 weeks. Sure. 10 weeks. I literally could not move. Um, and then you get other levels. So you go from couch rest to walking a few times a week to yoga a few times a week. And then gym, like twice a week. Um, and yeah, so people really compared themselves to each other, which was rough. Yeah. And I felt guilty a lot of the time because I thought, you know, I really don't want to be triggering anyone and I don't want other people to think that their disorders are invalid because everyone that ends up in a clinic is ill you know you're there for a reason no mm. one's just going to go to a clinic for fun it's not fun it's not a holiday <laughs> no definitely not um and then so yeah so in the clinic they teach you about the steps of recovery. There's like 10 steps, step work, they call it. And one of the things you have to do is find your higher power. So your motivation to recover. What is bigger than you? What is greater than you? And what is more powerful than your eating disorder? Mm. And I, I grew up a Christian, but I was never religious. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't truly actually a Christian. Mm. Um, so, you know, when I heard about this in the clinic, I thought, mm, I don't, I don't actually know what is my higher power. So I thought about it for quite a long time and it took a long time to get to a place where I fully found it. But when I got out of the clinic, you know, I spoke to some friends and they told me, try, try read the Bible try come to church and I thought okay let me try read the bible and the first thing I opened on like the very first verse that I looked at was John 1 verse something it's one of the first verses um and it says he is the one who is greater than I am Sheesh. and I thought Okay, that is the definition. This is the higher power that that's, I needed to yeah. find. Yes, yes. I thought that's crazy. That is clearly a message, a sign from God. Um, so then I started going to church and getting more involved in, yeah, in just the church and reading my Bible and growing a connection to God. And it was the best decision I could have made Um it completely changed everything for me because the year that I got out of the clinic, so the year after that, which was 2021, 
I unfortunately made the decision to stay with the dietitian that I was with before I went to the clinic. And that wasn't a good idea because it, she, she just wasn't very helpful for me personally. She did not help me with what I needed. I still had to gain weight even after the clinic. Like I still wasn't at a healthy weight. Um, and that dietitian just didn't help me with mm. what I needed to gain weight. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, then at the end of the year in August, when I really accepted God into my life and I got baptized in 2021, September, that's when I got baptized. Um, uh, yeah, then everything changed and the next year kind of just this whole new team like fell into our lives and I just got this new dietitian and this new psychologist and it's all by the grace of God. Having that support is huge. Mm. Finding the right people mm -hmm. is huge. And that changed the game. That completely changed the way I viewed recovery, the way I went about it, the way I was eating and just my mindset and now I can't even compare. I'm just I'm doing so well at the moment. I'm so happy. I, I'm i me again. I'm Caitlin again. Yeah. Um, I am so thankful to God for this. Um, and another really cool thing was in 2021, I got sick a few times with COVID. And then I did again lose weight just because of those illnesses. Yeah. And then the one day my mom was just a complete wreck and she said to me, I've been seeing so many Facebook posts lately of people who are dying from eating disorders and I'm scared, Caitlin. I'm scared that you're not going to make it. And I mm. feel like we've been living with this issue now for so many years and it's not going away. Mm. Um, and I opened up my Bible that day and again, it was God, it was crazy, but the message, like the first message that I saw when I opened the Bible that day was John 11, verse 4. Um, the sickness is not to end in death, but it is to honor God and to promote his glory. So I thought, <laughs> wow. Um, and the ring that I'm wearing now, like my mom got it made for me, John 11, verse 4, because it like sticks by me now. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm just very happy now. And recovery was the best decision that I ever made and yeah, yeah I'm really grateful for it sure yeah. amazing wow yeah and I think I like what you said because I think I spoke a little bit about this in, in when we chatted about my mental health is it really there's so much that you need for recovery mm. and it's like finding the Lord and then finding the right people um, yeah is so important so that's awesome yeah Okay, so we had a couple of questions okay. um, that we thought just would be helpful. So, Danielle, do you want to ask the first one? Types. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously there are many different types of eating disorders. So can you maybe explain some of them? Like, mm -hmm. what are they? And, yeah, just the differences between them and maybe even if there's a difference and like the mental space of the people that have the different mm. eating disorders, if you know that. Um, yeah, please share. So I will try my best. I have only dealt with anorexia, mm. so I'm not an expert on the other ones, but I know enough about it to kind of enlighten people. Um, so anorexia is the one where you are obsessed with food and control of food and restriction. So you restrict food heavily. Um, and often it's also exercising and just, yeah, trying to find ways to manipulate and control your body. And then you get bulimia, which is also restriction of food, but it's a binge and purge cycle. So mm -hmm. it's when you'll go through these phases where you binge food and then you'll purge. Um, yeah, and then you get binge eating, 
which is also an eating disorder. And people often feel very ashamed to label that as an eating disorder because it's very different. It's not a restrictive eating disorder, but it definitely is because it's still using food as a coping mechanism. Mm. Um, and then you get pika, which is an interesting one. It's when you eat things which aren't food, which aren't edible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hectic. Yeah. So people eat things like dirt and chalk and pencil shavings. Yeah. That's quite rough. Why? What is the mental space there and what is the reason for that? And did you have people in the clinic who struggled with that? No. I've never met anyone with Pika. Um, and honestly, I'm not too sure, but I think it is kind of a thing that – Okay, honestly, I'm not sure. Mm. I'm really not. But it is very interesting. So if you find it interesting, go research more about it. Yeah. Definitely. But there's that, um, there's that TV show. What's it called? It's addiction, My Strange Addiction. No, that's a, that's a song. Maybe it is called My Strange yeah, Addiction. Yeah, it is. My Strange Addiction. Yeah. It is. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, where people share mm. weird things that they like to do. And some of them are like eating weird things like, yeah. like sawdust or they eat hair or yeah. they... I don't know. You have to be in some sort of yeah. mental space to do that, I guess. Definitely. And then you get OSFED, which is other something feeding and eating disorders. Um, and that is other eating disorders which don't fit into the category of the ones which I just mentioned. Yeah. And one of those is orthorexia. Mm. Which I was going to ask you about that now. Yeah. yeah. Which is obsession with healthy eating so healthy non-processed clean foods very mm. natural um and yeah that's what it is yeah i always find orthorexia to be like one of the like an interesting eating disorder because for the most part i mean i think a lot of people have it without actually realizing when you think of like just for example you see people on instagram sometimes like let's say instagram meals are on tiktok and they are busy talking about oh, like, can't eat this because it's got seed oils and it's processed and all of that. And, you know, like, they sort of get applauded because it's like, mm. oh, you're eating so healthy. This is amazing. You have so much control. But at the same time, like, if you're – the minute that you start obsessing about food like mm. that, and I think it can be dangerous if um, – not to say that, like, veganism or vegetarianism and all that can fall into eating disorders, but anything where all of a sudden you're thinking the whole time, like, I can eat this, I can't eat this, what am I going to eat later – this is what I can't eat, you know, that it becomes a disorder or like a disordered form of eating. It's a very you know? slippery slope um, with clinics and just in recovery in general. It's, you basically can't be vegan. <laughs> like they tell yeah. you it is way too restrictive to mm -hmm. be vegan. And often people who have the eating disorder mindset won't think they're doing it for the wrong reason, yep. but they actually are. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize it till later when you're in a better mental space. So you were allowed to be vegetarian at the clinics that I went to, but the nurses and everyone tried really, really hard to get everyone to change to, you know, eating meat as well. Mm. Um, yeah. And for all the people that are going to use this as a, see, vegetarianism is bad. You can have healthy protein-filled vegetarian diets. Yes. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, yes. it's not, it's not like, we're absolutely not saying that if you, I mean, I am vegetarian. <laughs> like, we're not saying like, if you are a vegetarian, if you are vegan, then it becomes an eating disorder or it is an eating disorder. But for people who have that mindset, mm. it is very easy it to... It can be risky. Yeah, and it's used as a restriction. Yes. Because it, it, they are, you are restricting like what you can eat. Mm. Well, in the sense of like the normal or like omnivore mm. diet, You're I suppose. You're just trying to form some sense of control because it's all about control at the end yeah. of the day. It is, and I think that's the thing with eating disorders and that people need to understand is it is not just physical and not just mental. The two go hand in hand, you yeah. know, and it, it is all about what's happening in your mind um, and that influences your behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not like, exactly. a, oh, I just want to be sustainable or um, I care about the environment or this is a way and a lifestyle I want. It's, this is, like you said, it's an obsession that happens it in your mind. Um, and I think that's what's been so hard is I've never 
obsessed over what I want to eat. Mm. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I really can't imagine yeah. what that's like. Yeah. And I'm happy that you haven't because it's horrible. So, please yeah. never do. <laughs> um, okay. So, then what are – would you say are the warning signs? So, firstly – how what are the things that happen in someone's mind where you say you would say please get help now and then how do you recognize this in other people because what's interesting is like when I studied and I did counseling the thing they touched least on was eating disorders wow it was like all about like they spoke about bipolar and depression and anxiety and all of these things but I feel like I was never equipped to like recognize in a teenager you know, it's like, oh, someone's thin, let's check. But, like, mm. what are those things where you can actually be alerted early on? Yeah. Um, definitely just young children. Honestly, it doesn't even matter what age. Just people wanting really badly to go on a diet. And usually it starts off with a diet. And mm. if the diet becomes very restrictive... And they are very, they just keep talking or mentioning weight and body and things to do with food. Mm. That is a warning sign. When people just, too much of their life revolves around food. They start watching videos like all about food and like mm. really watching people eating because that's another thing. Um, like I would constantly watch mukbangs because I was oh, like, I wasn't getting any food, so watching other people eating was, like, satisfying me. Um, so that and, yeah, um, hmm, I'm trying to think what else. Um, exercise, people exercising very hectically and being obsessed with it. Obviously, exercise in general is healthy, yeah. But if it becomes too much, and then I would say the most obvious warning sign is losing weight. Like when you mm -hmm. see people losing weight and it not stopping and when it becomes like unhealthy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I also think something I want to say, and I wouldn't have said it unless you brought it up actually, is people need to not comment on other people's weights ever especially yeah. kids mm -hmm. like I so I think the only way it would be like kind of acceptable because I didn't find this offensive was when I met my boyfriend's parents both of them were like oh she's so small because like he's tall and stuff like that so I wasn't offended by that but like I don't think anyone should ever it's weird to comment Never. on a child's weight I think the one thing I said about Danielle is, Danielle, you have such a nice body and such childbearing hips. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't actually realize how much that can harm a child mm. commenting on their so weight. So much. But even just like, I feel like no matter what age you are, there's, I mean, obviously guys can 100% have eating, eating disorders 100%. as well. And like, I don't want to ever seem like that's not the case, but because I am a woman, like, and we are all women here so this is sort of what we relate to but there's such an obsession with the way that women look mm -hmm. you know and we do just comment all the time like I know for example people say like there was a time like during COVID and all that like I picked up weights and then like I lost weight again after mm -hmm. that like once things started getting normal again you know like just got back to my normal lifestyle and then like someone came up to me I'm not gonna, like I won't say who and she like she like held my wrist and she was like you've lost weight. And I was like, imagine, you don't know what I'm thinking. Like, you don't know what's in my mind. Like, like luckily for me, I, like, not to say that I don't necessarily struggle with, like, body issues. Like, not, not that it's, a, like, a major problem. But I think, I think a lot of what other people think as well. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I struggle with the same struggles that a lot of people struggle with. Um, and I'm like, it's just, it's actually so inappropriate. You don't know what's going to send someone off the edge, exactly. actually. Yeah. One of my like someone very close to me um she's young still and i think her brother's friend made a comment about why do you have so much food on your plate mm. in her own house mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. it's horrible and unfortunately because of social media eating as little as possible has become quote-unquote cool mm. which is ridiculous and it's terrible that like around me 
I have friends and people who were in my life slash are in my life who think it's cool to eat as little as possible and like make sure you know that. Like it'll be four o'clock at night and they'll say, all I've had today is an iced coffee, blah, blah, blah. So annoying. And I'm thinking, yeah. uh, okay. Why is that a good thing? <laughs> exactly. That's not go cool. Eat, go yeah, girl, you must be miserable. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, um, that's always been one of my, I think, not, not struggles, but it is something I think about is like, I have actually had quite a healthy relationship with food. Like I like to eat. I really enjoy food. Not that I think about it all the time, mm. but like when it gets to lunchtime, when it gets to supper time, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like that's how it should be. Yeah, like it's exciting for me. But then I think when you around people, like you do get people like that who just try to eat as little as possible, especially in front of other people. Mm. Then in my head, I'm looking at their plates and I'm like, am I eating too much? Like exactly. what is going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you never think you never know what that other person's thinking as well. Like they might be looking at it, say my place and thinking, oh, I wish that I yeah, like could do that as well sort of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's hectic in the Stop society. Stop looking at one another's plates. So Guys. true. <laughs> yeah. Just feel your body because I, I love the saying, even if everybody ate and exercised exactly the same, our bodies would still look different. Mm. Yeah. It's so true. It is true. Okay. Uh, yeah. So causes of eating disorders. So obviously you've mentioned that it can be genetic and yeah. Is it, do you think people are just more prone to it than like some people are more prone to it than others or can anyone develop an eating disorder just from whatever? And what do you think causes those sorts of things? I do think anyone can develop it, but it depends on the kind of person you are and then you're more likely to get it. So like I mm -hmm. said, common traits like perfectionism and need for control um often just people who are very very hard working and determined um to their detriment yes to their detriment um and yeah so it is also genetic like i mentioned and then it's based a lot on often traumatic experiences hmm. i suppose it's like other mental illnesses. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, because it is a coping mechanism. So, for example, with alcoholism, when people feel out of control or sad or like they need an escape, they'll go to alcohol. And when life is very difficult, the obsession with food and control of the food becomes more intense because we want a way to cope with those difficult life circumstances. Mm. Um, so often it's a bunch of traumatic things that have happened in the past which all build up and then make you start using food to control or try, you know, just feel a bit better about life. Mm. And what role do you think the media plays? Uh, what do you think it plays any big role in um, you know, leading to disordered eating or eating disorders, things like that? A thousand percent. Um, I mean, nowadays just the perception of what a body should look like on social media is so warped. It's so bizarre. What for me is so scary is I think to combat that, then like curvy becomes the look, but it's like, I don't have curves. Mm. So like, how do I do this? Like, how do I suit what's in for this year versus yeah. next year? Yeah. Like it's very stressful. It's so scary that the perfect body, quote unquote, I'm using like air quotes right now. Um, the perfect body changes every few years, like mm -hmm. every two years or something. Like two years ago, it was, you know, being really curvy and BBLs and Kardashian-esque. And now this year, heroin chic has come in. Back in. Ugh. And like, what? It's absolutely bizarre. It's so, it's nonsense. And unfortunately, you get a lot of influences that themselves don't have good relationships with food mm -hmm. and they're putting that image out there to tons of vulnerable people and children that what they look like and the way they live their life is normal and good and mm -hmm. it's not because they probably have an eating disorder too and you just aren't seeing that side of their life you're mm -hmm. just seeing uh, the highlight reel you know yeah um and fitness influencers also often just do not give a healthy perception of what food 100%. is. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that you have to give a holistic mm -hmm. 
you know, view on on things. And, like, if you're going to be, like, a foodie or whatever, um, or you're promoting certain diets even, I think it's important to say, like, this is the caveat. Like, remember to look after yourself. Like, if you're going to gym, then you need to eat well yeah. in order to sustain that well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the more you do the more energy you need um because that is what food is at the end of the day it's literally literally energy that is what a calorie is it's energy and it's important not to (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course it's important not to view food as calories and that's something that you know i have worked on i'm sometimes even still working on because it's recovery is a very long process Mm. it's that food is fuel to be able to live life and enjoy life to the best of your abilities. Hmm. Ability, not abilities. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I also would love to hear your opinion of um, like the marketing of food, if you know what I mean. So for example, you'll hear this is guilt free because it's it's baked, not fried, or whatever the pulled up the uh, new thing is to say. Oh so yeah, like yeah, when we assign like let's say, like morality to foods like this is a good food and this is a bad food and like do you think that um did that affect you um just that specifically definitely so so bad i mean obviously it's just become so normalized now that you get foods that are good and foods that are bad um foods that are junk and then foods which are healthy and now that is just not the case anymore and i'm trying to look at all food as good. There is no bad food yeah. unless it's actually inedible or <laughs> yeah, <like> toxic. <laughs> yeah. Then it's not bad. Everything in moderation. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, McDonald's, is it quote-unquote healthy? Possibly not. But it tastes so good and I yeah. don't have to eat it every day. Yeah, like, again, everything in balance you can't live off McDonald's, but you also can't live off of broccoli. You know, you need a bit of both. <laughs> broccoli is really good too. Yeah, you need both. <laughs> um, but marketing and the way, you know, food is presented and advertised to people nowadays also really contributes to disordered eating. Um, because even when I was walking past Kauai the other day, I saw one of their big posters that said something like, now you can eat guilt-free or no. something like that. And I literally felt this rage just pending like, up inside oh, of me. I feel like should post that too. Not like in a rude way, but like say, like, oh, this is probably not. Yeah, mm, it's not good. the right message to put out. Like, you and should th- never feel guilty. I think exactly. if you don't have an eating disorder, like the person who wrote that probably doesn't have mm. bad intentions. But they're, in their mind, it's like this is just how everyone thinks. And yeah. Yeah. Like... Food, food shouldn't be tied to guilt. And it's, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then my last thing was, um, especially I think, I mean, for parents and for loved ones and for me, even as a pastor, just because this is so common among young people, um, how do you support someone, you know? Yeah, so How do you support I, someone who's like struggling because you can't just say stop doing that, mm. eat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's tough. I will say that when you have someone in your life, especially family now that I'm talking about, who is going through an eating disorder, they actually call it a family illness because it affects the mm. whole family. Sure. Um. So, ways to help someone who is either in an eating disorder or in recovery from an eating disorder. Um, I want to say, unfortunately, you can't force someone to recover. Mm. They have to want it for themselves, um, which is very sad. So, you can't force them, but you can definitely help. And the best thing is, don't be a hypocrite. Don't tell them, you need to eat, you know, um, no food is bad and eat this burger or whatever but then you are you have such a bad relationship with food because mm-hmm. then you're not being a good role model and how are they supposed to 
start believing that food is okay if all they're seeing around them is people who are dieting and have mm. all these unhealthy perceptions of food, you know? So just be a good example of what it is to enjoy food and have a normal, healthy relationship with food. That is the best thing. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, and please don't just tell them just eat it's so easy it's like are you are you anxious ah stop being anxious everything will be okay yeah it's literally what you just told me (laughs) 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 yeah like it's ridiculous and i also got that from people in my family even just eat caitlin i don't understand why it's so difficult if you want to get better just eat like wow thank you problem solved (laughs) um if you see that there's an issue, don't stay quiet about it. Hmm. Because for me, I kind of had this thing where I didn't think I was that bad. And when I looked in the mirror, you know, I couldn't see that I was so bad. Um, and because no one around me, like my friends, no one was telling me that, I thought, hmm. okay, it's fine. I'm just going to carry on because no one's told me I look so bad. So clearly I'm not then. I think there's a lot of like, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings yeah. or make assumptions. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's actually helpful to know. Because your friend, Caitlin, I'm close to her. And I remember her being worried about you. And she'd be like, Zara, please pray. And like, sure. how can I help? And I'm like, I don't know. It's tough. And, you know, I don't blame any of my friends. I, I have the most amazing friends I could ask for. But, you know, now that I've spoken with them, they tell me, they do feel really bad. They just did not know what to say. Like, how do yeah. you even go about that? It's a very sensitive topic. And it can be awkward as well. Mm. Like, are, are you okay? Are you eating? You know? It's, but don't stay quiet. Say okay. something. Say that. In a nice. In a nice way. And don't say, <laughs> I see that you've lost weight. You know? Yeah, don't please. make it about the weight. Just say, you're different. You aren't yourself you've lost character you've lost personality and you're you've just drained as a person you Mm. know um and i really recommend they need people need help everyone with eating disorders please it's so important to see a dietitian just not even necessarily to gain weight because like i said some people don't for eating disorders Mm. but just to learn more about what a healthy relationship with food is. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I will recommend clinical treatment. It's not necessary, but it is helpful to learn the foundations of, mm. you know, eating again and having a normal relationship with food. It's good for that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just have another question that I thought of. Obviously, um, you, you, know, you were talking about your friends now. And I just wanted to know how your social life was affected by that whole thing, because obviously eating is such an important part of society and a lot of social gatherings revolve around eating. And you also mentioned how you just weren't yourself. You didn't have joy in your life anymore. So how did that affect your friendships and yeah, your social life overall? Yeah, well, um, like I touched on, I also became severely depressed and I just, I was a shell of a person. I barely talked anymore because I wasn't myself. So I didn't laugh anymore. I didn't smile. I actually cried every single day for like a year and a half. Literally every day I would just bawl my eyes out. Um, I didn't go out anymore. I would cancel every single plan ever because I was really tired. Mm -hmm. I was just depressed. I just wanted to stay at home in my bed. Um, I didn't enjoy engaging with people anymore because I was... I wasn't happy. I didn't understand why everyone else was laughing. And Mm. I obviously just didn't want to be around food. So if there was an occasion where there would be food, it's like, whoa, I'm out of control. I can't control then what I'm eating. Mm. So I'm just not going to go. Yeah. So I like didn't go to any parties for a long time. I didn't go to restaurants for a super long time. Um, I would just miss out on, like, family occasions. Wouldn't have cake at birthdays, which is really sad because cake is amazing. Completely. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, 
my whole social life was completely turned around. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the same with friends anymore either. And it's so weird because when I started this whole thing, I thought people will like me more if I'm thinner. Crazy. Yeah. That is like so scary. Mm-hmm. Like I I know like struggling with my skin color and stuff. I was like had this warped opinion that I would be more likable if I were wore white at some point. And it is freaking bizarre. Mm. It's crazy because, you know, I thought, okay, if I'm thinner, then people will like me more. But actually, when I became so obsessed and so underweight, people liked me less because I wasn't myself. My whole personali- mm-hmm. personality vanished. So I wasn't a likable person at all. My mom tells me now because now we can joke about it. She was like, Caitlin, you were a misery to be around. Like, it was horrible yeah. being around you. Yeah. yeah. But there is hope. There oh, is there hope. is. There is. Now you come on a podcast and have lots to say. I know. <laughs> now I can't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, do yeah. you have any other things that you want to share with people? Um, if you are struggling with an eating disorder, there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I know it seems impossible, but please get help. Please try recovery. Like I mentioned, try it out for a year. And if it doesn't work out, then you can go back. But I actually love that. Like, just try it out. Yeah. yeah. Just, I tell people the same it. about Jesus. Mm. Like, just, you know, just try. give what it a shot. You have to leave. Yeah. And then they love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and then they love recovery. So, um, but recovery isn't easy. Let me just say that. I'm making yeah. it sound like it's this easy process. No, it's so difficult. Every day actually is a battle. You need to choose mm-hmm. every day to want to get better. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, for my life, for the rest of my life, I need to be conscious of mm-hmm. my decisions. I need to be aware of what I'm eating and if I'm making a decision based on my eating disorder or just you know life Hmm. and I cannot skip a single meal because then I've relapsed so I have to eat at least three meals a day and then like you know three meals and snacks Um, Hmm. otherwise I will spiral and it's a slippery slope. Once you Mm. start doing something small again, then immediately the voice will just get louder and louder and you'll end up back where you were. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it is. It's for the rest of your life. You're just going to have to watch the way you think Mm. and, you know, keep talking. Yeah. And just, I really hope that eating disorders become less taboo because they definitely are. There's a lot of shame around it. I was very scared to speak about it for a long time because I thought Mm. everyone's going to judge me and they're going to see me as this like freak of a person and they're not going to want to speak to me because they're like scared of me and because I'm weird. But it's not their fault, you know. People with eating disorders, they don't choose to have an eating disorder. Mm. Um, Just try to be there for them and just don't judge them. And just really, really just try to support them. Don't ever give up on someone with an eating disorder because mm. there is always hope. Please don't give up on them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Like, truly an amazing episode. And you're so well-spoken, dude. Like, thank I you. Know. I'm so impressed. I know. <laughs> thank you. You're like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's thank really, you. Like, these are important conversations to have. And we're thankful that we... Even though we have a small a small platform, we're like very thankful that we mm. have a space for people to talk about these yeah. things. And you never know who this episode reaches. So that's true. We heard some random lecturers listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's still a, is it still a push? I think so. Wow. Yeah, pretty funny. So yeah, and also please feel free to share this. And I also think Caitlin will be open if you want to reach oh, yeah. to her. She's nicer on Instagram than Danielle probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Um yeah, you can definitely message me, DM me. Slide. <laughs> yeah, I'm can really... Can you tell us your Instagram handle? <laughs> at Caitlin Solomon. You're single too, yeah? I am single. <laughs> so if wow. there's any hot guys potentially watching this, please hit me up. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Yeah, thank you.
Thank you very no, thank much. Thank you so much. So, guys, mm-hmm. if you loved this episode, which you obviously did because there was less of Danielle and me. Yes. Um, just remember that sharing is caring. Yes. So, in other words, share this episode with all of your friends and literally everyone that you've ever spoken to ever. And you will ever speak to. Ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And... You also. Everyone you ever known. Yes. I will. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. That's the rule. Okay. Cool. <laughs> see you guys. Yeah. We'll not Bye. see you. Yeah. We'll chat to you next time. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.